Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. This podcast is sponsored by Crush Organic CBD Oil, the top of the range in CBD oil products. If you're anxious about World War Three, which I'm sure you are, get some CBD oil. Shameless, shameless <laughs> plug there. Uh, get some CBD oil. Go to crushorganics.com, crush with a K. Use the code Neil for 40% off. I've got all the products. I talk about them every week. They're wonderful. I've been using them for months now. Uh, I use the, the platinum oil every night. I sleep like a baby. So go ahead, get some of that. Use the code Neil for 40% off. Uh, go see Jordan live. He's in Melbourne soon, and then he's uh, going around the country. I saw him live last week, which we're going to talk about. It was remarkable. It was very, very good. And I am doing weekly shows in Sydney, monthly Melbourne, monthly in Newcastle as well. So go to neildan.com, go to neilcolehapka.com slash podcast if you want to send us in a shout-out, a question, or a topic. All right. How you doing? Good. Good. I can't remember what I've done since the last time I spoke to you. Nothing. Well, you did three three shows in Sydney. That's right. They were really good. <laughs> Thank you. I really enjoyed them. Very informative about Julius Caesar. Very funny as well. I love, uh, you know, you you have this remarkable ability of uh, just educating people and making really just suburban Aussie comedic references and intertwining the two in a very masterful way. And That is my skill in life. It is extremely esoteric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my favourite part of the show was when you said, Look, I'm not saying I am Julius Caesar, but <laughs> no one laughed. Just, laugh, just you. <laughs> but <laughs> so go Such go ahead and go cool. see the show. It was it was really good, and I was with Alex as well, who uh, was a guest on this podcast a couple of months ago. He liked it too. Sick. Well, tell Alex, uh, thank you very much for your attendance. It's lovely that you boys came and watched it, and I'm glad that you didn't come on the first night because that was just filled with drunk lebs. Really? There's always just that little uh, Yilmaz hangover, like the, the uh, NRL reference, the chook pin. And once that chook pin goes away, like it's just a much more civil game after that, even though they're definitely doggy supporters. I, uh, I noticed the demographic of your crowd. Uh, it was... Uh well, if I had my uh, my uh, my woke glasses on, it was definitely a lot of white men. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, that's that's my bread and butter. Thank you very could, much, uh, autists. Yeah. Keep me in business. <laughs> there weren't actually a lot of neck beards. I didn't see a lot of neck beards. I saw a lot of uh, hairless necks. Hairless necks. Yeah, young yeah. boys. Uh, they look. Most people look like early twenties. I'd say, which is probably what I expected. All right. And uh, I, I think I could count the amount of women on on one hand. Yep, usually can. Well, I tell you what, it's actually I'm I'm hoping to get that balance back again. It's just I didn't do maths last year properly, and that's the thing that gets them back. Reality TV show chat. I know what you want, and I'm going to get you there to my show so that your feedback can be I didn't get it, which is what they've all said. Right. So, so to get men <laughs> to the show, you got to have you know complex uh, exploration of politics, and to get women to the show, it's just talk about maps. Oh, and, 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 and <laughs> Warhammer. Can you believe really? this? Women don't like Warhammer. 
So they're, they're, that's the. I wouldn't have thought that. It's amazing. It's just every guy that comes up to me after the show, which is you've identified as about ninety percent of the audience for being generous, they all come up and then they all say, "When are you doing Warhammer next?" And it's like, "What, what do you mean by do Warhammer?" You know, just uh, justify my filthy habit of collecting plastic figurines that cost six hundred bucks uh, for a squadron of seven, and uh, paint them. What, what are you, you want me to just be the the arts and crafts guy from the nineties that I think hang him, hanged himself? <laughs> Someone to pick up after him, eh? Man, I've never I've never met a comedian who hates his audience more than you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't hate him. I love them. I love them. They are. It's just like. It's it's like you, you can see what they're about to say before they say it. I think that's it. It's just like I know the demographic too well because I am him. I think that's yeah. the whole thing, though. Everyone just is their audience. That's why you yeah. resonate yeah. with them. That's why I and it's of, like what you're saying. You just can't honeys. escape it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of very, uh, very smart and beautiful people that come to my show. You know, I have gotten a few messages now uh, from uh, from the, uh, the old female listener, not just of this podcast, but on my um, – socials as well and they often say something along the lines of like you're the way you uh talk about women as though a lot of them are just like really woke white girls that only watch maps and think everything is problematic is actually quite uh accurate <laughs> no the opposite <laughs> yeah but answer me this and be honest don't just say to be oppositional you like maths and you find a lot of things problematic. In fact, that's what my uh, <laughs> that's, that's what the, the, the reviews that I've gotten so far have been that have been written by chicks. The summary has been I watched because of maths. I don't get Friendly Geordie's new show. Uh, but having said that, it's clearly very smart, but also very problematic. There you go. In one. There's, look, it's this the same reason the like, as I can just, just peg my audience. I can peg you. <laughs> So it's just all the reviews you get from from. No, it's like it depends if it's, a, if it's a guy or if it's a chick. If it's a guy, they uh, <laughs> they they sit there and they nitpick things that are just cunty every time, which is my entire life. And if it's a chick, they're just like, I don't get it, but like, I, I don't know. It's like sometimes it just goes on, you know. But also on top of that, yeah, like the dick joke's pretty good, I guess. It's like that. <laughs> There should be more references to maths. And then the other ones are there should be more references to Warhammer. And that's how I see men and women. That's it. Okay, they just so either so like you- Warhammer or maths. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's actually very fair then. So you're saying both men and women are mostly stupid. <laughs> you fuck yeah. They, of course that's they fair. are. That's fair. That's fair. It says they're stupid in different ways. And I'm sick. This is the thing. Isn't this that, is the thing. Isn't women get personally offended when you say they're stupid, whereas guys are kind of like, oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. No, that's very fair. We do rely on stereotypes, let's be honest. But uh, yeah. isn't it funny how you say thing if you say like a, one group of people is stupid, but then you back that up. It's like, look, I think everyone's stupid. And then suddenly that, that makes it okay. Yeah. And you're like, man, yeah. black people are stupid. But look, I, white people are stupid too. <laughs> and suddenly, oh, okay, you're fine. That's fine then. <laughs> it's one of the first tricks you learn as a comedian, isn't <laughs> it? it? Is, as yeah. a, or this one, this one. No, you, you say something yeah, you're mean a fucking about idiot, someone. Aren't you? But that's no, no, I'm, I'm a, a fucking, fucking idiot. idiot too. I'm an idiot yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> Oldest trick in the book. <laughs> Oldest trick yeah, in the book. It works. Yeah. It works well. It works really well. But when you actually analyze that, that's that's worse 
if I were to say, hey, this one race is stupid, that's bad. But then if I'm to say, hey, all these races are stupid, that's, that's objectively worse. But Way for whatever worse. reason, people think, well, I guess that's fair, so it's fine. It's just because it's just like, oh, it's no longer me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're not singling out a, a group. Yeah. Or if you say, oh, all, all people are like, I hate, I hate. If you say, okay, you could actually just use like whatever it is, deductive logic. If you say, I hate all people, well, technically, you're also saying, I hate black people. Yeah. So when people are like, oh, people suck, well, technically, you're saying, you're saying Asians so suck. So you don't like black people, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, logically, that's what you're saying. Of course. I don't really. It's such a weird little loophole, isn't it? No, it's just that. Memes. It's just like as soon as as soon as you've eased the pedal off a little bit from them even remotely imagining that the criticism is about them, you're in the clear. Yeah. It does take a particularly <laughs> – no, but actually, you know what? And I think that this is the case as well. I think sometimes the hardest I ever laugh – is actually when my mum is paying me out because obviously she knows me better than anyone. And so she's just so accurate in her payout that you like, I don't know, something, it just hits you and you just break down. What did she say? What's the, I think what that, got to you? I, like, okay, basically she's just like, look, this, this is what you have in your head. You have this spinning wheel. In your head when you speak to me and anything that I ever say to you, it just like goes on a spinning wheel and then it'll just come up with some horrible insult, like some horrible word, not even an insult, just like, and then it'll just go, cocksucker. You'll just say that just to get a reaction out of me. And like, dude, I I broke down in tears because it was like, holy fuck. She's right. I do have a spinning wheel in my head and that is all that's happening. I'm just looking for an excuse to shock her. You know, like, I think it's just you if see you're that, able you to- see your mum in all women? Well, we all do, don't yeah, we? we? Do. That's, that's true. That's true. Yes, we do. But that's why I think that that really gets to me when I get that response from women, I think, of them just being like, you should be ashamed of yourself because that was a little trick that mum used to do all the time, the shaming thing. It's just like, nah, I've had 20 years of that. I'm not dealing with that anymore. That one always, like, <laughs> gives me the shits. That's why every time I ever see so it on one maths, day, I get, like, a- triggered because I'm just sitting there just being like, fuck you, mum. Yeah. <laughs> maths is, is, like, a deeply triggering show. Yes, but it addictive. is. It's addictive. Oh, fuck. It's, uh, Tell me about it. Yeah. But you know what? It's actually it's because, like- Self-obsession, the show. Self-obsession, the show. Yeah. But also, and you would notice this from reading all of these books- relationship patterns the show because after yeah. a while you start seeing those people and you're just like dude I've, I've seen you on screen for 30 seconds and i know i know this relationship i, I know, know this, the relationship. Of this yeah. relationship i know what's gonna happen yeah what's gonna happen mm. Good so show anyway, yeah 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 like i guess it's an experiment in the barest of senses yeah everything's an experiment you know when the pranksters <laughs> you know when those pranksters say Try to try to slightly, you know, increase the uh, significance of their, yeah, of their of their content. So instead of like <laughs> farting in public, they're like, "Oh, pissing on a homeless person in public." It was a social experiment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's deep, man. <laughs> yeah, and as you say, yeah, okay. If you put it that way, yes. <laughs> but like, as Elon Musk would say, how many times do you need to run the experiment? 
It's being done. Dude. Like, yeah. I don't know. Just prank content has been – you're not running an experiment anymore. It's just the same thing of like, we're going to put a mouse in a mouse and put cheese at the end. Oh, I found the cheese. Well. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's more data about public pranks than there is for any actual scientific experiment out there. But the amount of data – You don't have you can, to be a scientist. You, you need an entire university. To try and collate and unpack <laughs> all that data and understand human behavior based on all those pranksters. Man, what yeah. a tedious job that would be. If you want to torture someone, just like prank after prank after prank after prank. Because look, I like pranks. I think they're funny. We all do. But after 20 minutes, this is a very clear formula. The gold digger yeah. one, that one is done to death, man. The the one where... um. It's always some guy from in America with a slightly foreign accent who's like, hey, hey, I think you're really beautiful. You want to get a drink sometime? And the girl's like, no, sorry, I have a boyfriend. And he's like, okay. And he gets in a very Lexus fancy car. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I, well, actually, wait, I'm free this Saturday. Oh, oh, are you? Well, I don't date gold diggers. Bye, bitch. Shut up. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> play slow motion rap music. <laughs> the formula is down to a T. <laughs> It's so fake. It's so obviously fake. I mean. Oh, my God. I've seen it so many times. Girls in Beverly Hills. It wouldn't surprise me if it actually was real, but. And isn't it it amazing? Yeah. Yeah. But everything in America looks fake. Yes, it does. I don't know why that is. Yeah, try that gold digger prank here. I think it's just the way they speak. I don't think that would work here. I think that, that would actually piss the girl off more in Australia. Hey, you want to get a drink sometime? Nah, sorry. I got a boyfriend. Well, what about now? Fuck you. You think I want to fuck you because you're in an Alfa Romeo? <laughs> That's even worse. I'll give Australian women that. They they, they don't. They're, they're not, not that. They're, they're not, not pretentious. That. No, they're not. Um, nowhere near as shallow as American women. No. Just nowhere near as shallow as American society. I think that's the problem. I think that every time I ever speak to an American, even when they're a scientist or something, there's something missing. It's just a bit. Your personality? personality not there not there mm. their personality is a download pirate copy of a bunch of american celebrities everyone in america speaks like they're in a movie yep yep and if they're being funny they're talking like they're in a sitcom but it's it's all yeah. based off something that isn't real to be what, what, what if now that's a strange experiment to do that to 350 million people why to just control them with a with Hollywood? Well, just sort of like this is how kids. you react. But see, this is the weird feedback loop because I used to always watch like Married Family and be like, "There's no way Americans are that fake," and they are. But which one was which? Was it the chicken or the egg? I don't know. But I was thinking about that even when watching maths. There's just moments like okay, the classic. Uh, my sister died. Your response is going to be, I'm sorry. Why is it going to be, I'm sorry? Because you've heard characters on movies say, I'm sorry. So it's just this weird revert back into your mind of these collected moments that mm. everyone has where it's kind of just like, in this scenario, you do this. That's all, but that's all behavior, isn't it? It's yeah, just, but ours it's, is it's, the first time that, that it's you've... truly global. Like, I should not ever, ever have the same response to someone as someone who lives in fucking Nepal. And yet in this day and age, you would. Or there would be like- Potentially, yeah. Potentially. I think that's because of the internet. 
interconnected the internet as well, but social media. Yeah, but there's also this. I, I think it's actually a lot more to do with narrative. I think that the narratives that we all have now come out of the, US, like the fact that okay, most people on Earth have probably seen fucking Die Hard. You know, yeah. so that's a collective memory that everyone has that has yeah. never happened in history before. You've never had everybody just being like their their brain being tricked and being like, "Oh yeah, I remember the time Bruce Willis was uh, fighting a guy while trying to get control of a plane." Like everyone has that memory. Everyone, the, or, or memory just, the didn't we- happen. just the Western world, you know, people in sub-Saharan Africa thinking about. Die Hard. What about McDonald's? Something like McDonald's. That's a brand that has spread across the globe quite effectively to the point where I, more than 50% of human beings would have either had McDonald's or, or seen a McDonald's. Oh, it would have to be close to 100 at this point, surely. <laughs> I bet you that Probably. you could go to sub-Saharan Africa and say, do you know McDonald's? And be like, yeah, man, of course. They speak English like that. (laughs) They're they're Indian. Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, I was just trying to think of a Muslim accent, and now I can't think of it. And that's the whole point. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, it is. It is a scary thought that cunts here have the same experience as us, and it's all from there. All of it. Hmm. Hmm. And it's just, so, I don't know. It's just like, it, it's really, it, it's it's uniformed human experience, I think. That's the, well, it's just classic soft power. It's just, I no power in the history of the planet has ever had more power than that. I honestly think that that's more of an accomplishment than any invasion that you could ever incur, really. You've entered people's heads. Yeah. Yeah, and it was very impactful. M- n- not so much now, but it was only, what, 10, 15 years ago where Hollywood was just the – that was – the films you watch really said a lot about who you were and your values as well. Yeah. And everyone – but that's the whole thing, though. Like, everyone saw them, so you just kind of all had that adage. And and this is the whole point is that – fuck, the celebrity of it. In fact, in a way, even someone like Jerry Seinfeld, who's got one of the best deals in human history when it comes to the rights of a show, but for how famous that man is and how instantly that man comes to your mind, he's got to be, he's kind of just the Michael Jackson of comedy, right? Like, he's just, everyone fucking knows that man. Yeah, the name Seinfeld is synonymous with comedy. Synonymous. He was the first ever com- comedy billionaire, and he was groundbreaking with the show he did because there's the classic, even in the first in the first few episodes, I think, is a show about nothing. Yeah, but he's like, no, actually, I would go maybe now. Russell Peters is more of a global, is the most globally well-known comedian. More so than Seinfeld because everyone in Asia knows and loves Russell Peters. Mm. And then everyone in the West still knows of him. Mm. And uh, the mm. the Indian and Asian diaspora really love him, but mm. everyone still knows him. And, and so in terms of just global recognition, 
I would say Russell Peters may be more well-known as a stand-up than Jerry Seinfeld. Big call, but I think I think I would back that. Because, like I said, we're talking about in, in India, everyone knows that man. And that's one. That's already, that's Europe and America combined. And he must, he must tour there frequently. Yeah. That's all he does now. He just tours f- stadiums. F- fuck, like he should. I mean, look, he's done the exact opposite, which was really weird because I was just about to say, isn't that insane? We should not know uh, New York Jewish culture as well as we do. It's purely because of that show. It's purely because there's just so much American influence in our minds that we're just like, yeah, yeah, I know about 53rd Street. It's like, what? But, like, he actually went to them and basically did what you did on the net, I suppose, of just like, here you go, here's a culture, here's a culture, here's a culture, here's a culture. He made fun of them to them. But it's relatable to them. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Like, he, he went and, the exact opposite way. And he talks about it. It's very funny in one of his specials. He's like, I think they don't think they talk like that. <laughs> really? Yeah, but he's talk- I think that was in uh, Red, White and Brown. But uh, yeah, his, his specials from the 2000s were brilliant. And then it just sort of it became a bit formulaic in my, in my opinion after that. But, I mean, when you're making quite literally billions, why not? He'd have to make billions because I remember him talking about a time that some Saudi shake. He'd be up there. Yeah. He does private shows for literally the richest people on earth. Like yes. Oil barons and Ooh, shit. I have heard stories about what happens there. Right. Okay. You walk into what is basically a power. It's an entire city of, of it's their Servants. palace. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then Jesus. afterwards you get you basically get access to this. You can, if you want to, get access to this harem and you, they just say, what would you like us to do? That's what I've heard. This is Holy purely, hell. purely uh, hearsay. I don't know how true that is, but it, it seems accurate. <laughs> wow. What a great, see, what a great life. Bring back the patriarchy. That's a, that's a good life. But, yeah, like, again, it's, it's a good life for, like, three guys. But what a True. fucking life. For everyone else is basically a slave. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you know like you want to be much. one of those women in the three harem guys. compared oh, to a woman, a woman not in the harem. Probably <laughs> life sucks. For sure. Well, what, once a month you fuck a billionaire and, <laughs> and live a life of luxury. That's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. I'd imagine that the harem is filled with a lot of Russians as well. I've heard... Around the world. A lot of uh, Insta-famous girls who suddenly fly to Dubai are part of that harem. But they obviously sign a lot of things and can't talk about it. Now, this is purely a rumor. I have no idea how true this is. Uh, But uh, the dots add up for me. It would make sense why they're always doing tours in Dubai, all of them. Yeah, the money we're talking about so is so many times. Yeah, the, the, and and also Russian oligarchs. Well, I don't know about now, but they are worth a lot of money, and they're not on the rich lists. And it must be the, yeah, it's just it's it's wealth, literally beyond measure, and also just yeah, no one in no one in the history of the planet has been that wealthy before, surely. Yeah, no accountability, nothing that you need to do really. You just make sure that the oil keeps getting sold. 
You don't have to do anything. It's all set up. Pay someone to do that. Yeah, you're just like it's because your great 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 grandfather like just got a bunch of camels together and killed another tribe with less camels. You're (laughs) set. (laughs) (laughs) What a life! What a life! You must be insane. Surely, if you're that wealthy and you've never had any contact outside of this wonder house where you've had a harem since the age of two <laughs> and of, of the hottest women on earth, you know, like, and just all these weird, because they are, dude, they do the same things that Michael Jackson did. Those weird shots with them, with like cuddly photos of them with a lion or a chimp or something like that. Yeah. It's, it truly is the measure of someone who's fucking nuts. Yeah, I can't imagine. I don't know what would they. What would you have a conversation with them about? Oh, what are you no, up to this year? Man, because oh, I want to try to like do some very shows. Rich, yeah, like, and, and they like, wouldn't oh, give a fuck. Yeah, I want to. I want to kill a hundred thousand people in Yemen. No, but they, they cool. wouldn't even do it. Anyway, it's just like their their grandfather or something that's sitting there as, as the Saudi king or something, and they just be like, "This is boring, man. Let's get the dick sucked." They, they wouldn't. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'll tell you this, I did meet people that were sort of barons when I was in Asia, right? Like you'd meet people in Hong Kong or you'd meet people in Yeah, to find sort of Singapore baron, or we're something. talking just well, like real wealthy, wealthy, okay. wealthy, old money. wealthy, wealthy people. People that just, you know, you go there and you're like, wow, did you get this VIP room in this club with the huge Grey Goose vodka bottle? Uh, did you just get this for it? And it's just like, well, I own the club, so when I come down, they just put that. You know, those kind of people, right? Okay. Um, dude, they, they are they all, they are all like essentially developmentally babies, all of them. They would be. Well, they wouldn't have had to have earned anything or fight for anything or ever well it would depend on the the way the parents chose to raise them if they chose to raise them in a somewhat normal fashion and understood that they need to become adults they might have their head screwed on reasonably well but it's likely that in that sort of world they're just it's purely your entire status is just based on how wealthy you are this is actually a really good topic to tra- transition into what I wanted to talk about, which was social capital, but yeah, all right, that would be a very different existence. I know people who, uh, when I was in Scotland in Edinburgh, there's a there's a quite a ostentatious private school there where a lot of rich people from the UK and also from just Europe would send their kids there, and so I was sort of I, I became I befriended one or two people that were part of that group, and it was. It, they're not fun people. They no. actually were quite sad. Yeah. They are. I know exactly that. They were gloomy. They were, you know, even And when also, you were- dude, just like like unbelievably shit social skills as yeah, well. Yeah, really poor. And they would just tell you these stories about other people who were even more ob- who were even more obscenely wealthy than they were. Mm. And that was their whole. You know when, like, you 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 converse with a certain type of Australian male who their entire topic of conversation is just talking about drunken incidences with the boys, and they just like they can't think beyond anything other than that. Mm. Mm. This felt 
the same, but that's their drunken incidences with the boys. It's just, you know, this one person that went, well, actually, they were all British. What am I saying? They, you know, this one person who went to our school, they're, they're the son of an in, Indian uh, oil mogul, and, uh, you know, uh, he bought me five flat screen TVs, but I still didn't want to fuck him. I'm like, I just cannot rel- like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I just, it's a caricature. It was a caricature. Yeah, old money in in Europe. There's a lot of that old money. At least in America, you got all these like tech tech billionaires who are somewhat in touch with reality because they're probably first generation wealth. Well, they're definitely hyper intelligent. They would probably have maybe not worse social skills because they'd just be hyper aware of everything that's happening. But I would imagine that talking to people in Silicon Valley would be a fucked experience. It's kind of the same as when you're talking. I've talked to people that kind of dabble in that world. That live in Australia now and they made their welfare and now they moved back. Yeah, and they're, they're interesting people. They're interesting people. Uh, but, but you're basically talking to AI. Yeah. They're, they're extremely robotic. Well, I, Mark Zuckerberg was on a Lex Friedman podcast recently. Man, you could see the frustration in Lex's eyes. He was trying to get some sort of a human response out of the man and this is the perfect opportunity for him to, you know, assuage the concerns that he lacks <laughs> the ability to connect on a human level and what does he do? It's all corporate jargon. Really? Yeah. I couldn't watch it. I, I got 30 minutes in and I'm like, this is the most boring shit I've ever, I've ever seen. Wow. Whereas all the podcasts with Elon Musk, I really enjoy. I love the man. Well, he's charismatic, he's interesting, he's funny, yeah. he's a human, he's authentic. Whereas Mark Zuckerberg would have people in his ear saying, yeah, on a, on, a podca- on a podcast, you have to be authentic. This is how you be authentic. But then he's fa- trying to fake authenticity and he looks like an alien. You can't get past that. No. And, man, at one point Lex asked him, um, so 52% of Americans have an have a unfavorable view of you. Uh, how does that make you feel? And then he just goes on some like, well, like the brand of Meta has had to make some hard changes recently. I'm like, cunt, how does it make you feel? Like, for, And we're pretty much two artists who hate people who talk about their feelings. And then I was just desperately waiting for this guy to just have some um, form of emotion and tell us, okay, I don't, the fact that 160 million people who use my platform yet still have an unfavorable view of me. I would have much more respect if he was like, well, fuck him. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that would make me respect him a bit. But he just had this very corporate answer. I couldn't, after that answer, I'm like, I can't even watch this. So, it, was, it wasn't that it was, uh, it was too boring to watch. It was too frustrating to watch. Yes. Yes. Hmm. I, I just felt like I was watching like a corporate seminar, you know, which I'm sure he does every second day. Hmm. So, he's not used to conversing on a on a podcast because a podcast is all about just having an actual conversation. It's not a, it's not an interview and he treated it like an interview. And But do you think that he was hiding it or do you think that he actually has just uploaded his consciousness onto metadata at this point? And- well, I, well, I think he's just, uh, he's clearly heavily on the spectrum, surely. Like, I just think he operates- So is Elon diff- Musk, right? Like well, he's clearly on the spectrum as probably, well. Probably, but Elon can like connect on a, on a, Humanly, I know that's a subjective sort of term, but on a human level, he can sort of have an yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you yeah. feel like he's responding to you both. He's conversing with you, but he's responding to you emotionally. Whereas Mark Zuckerberg just looked like, I don't even know what he looked. Like. He looked like AI. 
It looked like early AI trying to be a human. I mean, look, he fits the part. That's exactly what he's created. It is kind of interesting. He probably is the closest thing humanity's ever produced to AI so far. <laughs> he's, he's sort of a bridging gap. And especially the fact that he is just responding like- He's the missing link. He's the, the missing, missing link. Evolutionary he's responding link. like he's like a Siri or something. Yeah, I mean, even Siri has a nice fluctuations yeah. in the tone of voice. And actually answers you. Yeah. And if you say, how are you today, Siri? She will respond with, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah. And he won't. <laughs> Yeah, if you ask Mark Zuckerberg, how are you? Well, today at Meta, we made the executive decision to uh, recalibrate and synergize our brand with the Instagram profile. And Lex was asking him about uh, <laughs> how he felt about some of the studies uh, focusing on the mental health of teenage girls in particular in response to one of those whistleblowers who also, like, I don't think she's particularly, you know, it was clearly like a, a, a mainstream media hit job. So mm. I, I don't think I, I'm not taking either side there, but mm, mm. Uh, he he had an opportunity there to just speak a little bit, at least somewhat empathetically towards the plight of teenage girls. But he just I can't even remember his answer, but it was something about he was like autistically trying to say about how, talk about how that study was actually wrong, and he says, "Well, actually, if you look at the study this way, it shows that there was no detrimental effect," to and which could be true. I'm not. I'm not doubting that. But man, just he just just he needs better PR, and I'm sure he has the best possible PR there is, and even they can't help him because all the others, uh, well, not all the others. Elon is definitely one who's who's done a lot of those podcasts really well, and he's on the Joe Rogan podcast a lot, which perfect example. Someone who has an immense amount of social capital, uh, but Jeff Bezos. Every interview I've seen of him, he looks like a maniac. And Mark Zuckerberg just looks like an alien. I'm sure they're hyper intelligent people, and they're probably just so far. They're probably when dogs look at us, they think well, we don't get it. Whereas that's probably what is happening when I look at these people who are just so far on one end of this IQ spectrum. But but at the same time, Elon has that authenticity about him. The others and also don't. the other thing as well is there's something. Elon Musk's mission, which I don't doubt is not, I don't think it's insincere when I hear two talking about it when she was just reading a biography of his and he was just so intent on his general mission of advancing the human race. Yeah, he seems to have a goal more than just profit and building a major corporation. Whereas I don't think that Mark Zuckerberg, I think no. his goal is to get everyone sucked into the metaverse so that he can profit off them. I think he thinks <laughs> he has a virtuous end goal, but no one else is on no board one. with it. Everyone's just <laughs> become addicted to social media. Look, I, I, we all use Facebook. So you can't sit here and criticize him too much, but it's not the same. When you, when you think about uh, Tesla and you think about SpaceX, you, there's a sense of wonderment and uh, you know, intrigue about how this is very adventurous, what this man's doing, and it's quite groundbreaking. And sure, you could, you could, Facebook was groundbreaking, but then again, it was just slightly different to MySpace. Yeah, and it happened to take off. Yeah, and then with Jeff Bezos, well, all right, everyone was buying things online. I, it was just a bit better than eBay, really. 
Well, it's. I think the only reason he is rich is because he came up with that first click button, right? Yeah. What the What the hell happened to eBay, man? Man, they fucked up. Yeah. Because it's too hard. That's why. Yeah. When you go into that, you feel like you're just filing out like citizenship papers. Whereas with, with Amazon, exactly that. It's just he made it a little bit more accessible. Yeah. Exactly the same as what Zuckerberg did. Yeah. So it wasn't like they really did anything that groundbreaking. No. But uh, Elon, like, I mean, he's really he's marketing electric cars in a way that no one has before. He's already saying there's go- he's going to put humans on Mars by 2026, aiming to put his rocket on there by 2024. I mean, this is all words right now, but if he does this, we'll know in the next two years. Remarkable. Yeah. Incredible man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible yeah. company. Mm. No, he's pushing things further. It's just... I, I think we're at a point now where social capital is more... Because, look, a lot of people are losing faith in the sort of volatility of the financial system. And it's a big reason why crypto is growing at such an exponential rate. And I'm, I'm, I'm reading a lot more about it now. And I'm, I'm, I'm gaining a lot of faith in that system, even though... Uh, a lot of people who are obsessed with crypto rub me the wrong way, but hmm. <laughs> um, I do have now a couple of a couple of k in, in the old Bitcoin and Ethereum. But uh, what are your views on social capital in general? Because I think if you can gain people's trust, and in this world of social media, which is an extension of what's essentially social capital, right? You're building you're building trust. You're building a large tribe. You're building an opportunity to be a leader to 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 people on a virtual level. I think that's more valuable than financial capital to its to an extent. I mean, you can get to a point where you can build cities and things, but I would rather have a million people. Who, who listened to everything I said, trusted me, and and really uh, respected my opinion on serious matters, then a million dollars, then even $10 million. Now, when you start getting to maybe $100 million, that depends what you use that for, but even then, to have a million people who respect every word you say, that is invaluable. That's priceless. Mm. And I think... Um, you know, you got, you've got these social media figures now, like your, your Joe Rogans, your Jordan Petersons, and, and then, I mean, even the ones maybe we don't necessarily subscribe to. Hell, I don't know, the girl from Call Her Daddy, all these people, they have an immense amount of social capital. They're also very rich, sure, but there would be other media figures who are richer than they are but don't have that same trust with their audience. And I think a big reason why Joe Rogan was able to survive that massive cancellation attempt was because so many people came out in support and people with other large followings came out and said, no, I back this man, to the point where it was actually quite insurmountable, the wave, the tidal wave against the initial um, uh, wave of mainstream media pressure. I mean, even the White House, the press secretary said, oh, Spotify needs to take down Joe Rogan, but enough people with enough social capital came out and said, no. Essentially, that's what they said. They said different variations of that. And he's fine. And that's that's remarkable. That's not, this hasn't been done before where the, you know, the entire mainstream press and Spotify can come out against one media figure and for him to just be like, all right, I'll do one apology video. I'll change a few things, but fuck you. Mm. That's remarkable mm. because mm. he's just, he's a guy who who, who never re- it, look. I'm sure he wants them. He he signed that big deal. Money's not nothing to him. But all those people who came out in support of him were people that he helped build up. These were people who maybe had a, a, a somewhat of a voice 
prior to appearing on his podcast. But once they were on there, and especially if they've been a recurring guest on there, they have amassed huge audiences. People like your David Goggins and, uh, you know, all the other comedians that have been on there, a lot of other politicians and, you know, Edward Snowden came out in support of him, people, notable figures. Mm. And he was... He had built up enough trust with them, having had done their podcast and seeing what can happen and, and meeting the man. And, and they were willing to come out and potentially risk their own cancellation or their own uh, social ostracization to, to defend the man. And that's the perfect example of the power of social capital. There's no media campaign against the... It's not like he put $100 million on a, on a, on a meme campaign or on a fucking some sort of digital marketing campaign to to improve his image. We didn't need to do that. There were enough people who did that automatically. Mm, yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. That's a that's a lead that's a thought leader. Mm. And he is he's just a comedian who loved cage fighting commentary. But I mean I mean look, I'm just using him as an example here, but I the the value of social capital can never be understated. I mean, once you get to that initial level of covering your basic needs and wants of whatever you need, your shelter, your food, whatever that income bracket, I think they say 70 grand a year, then anything upon that after that doesn't actually affect your happiness. Mm. I think you should be starting to think about, like you said on a previous podcast, being a guide, mm. helping other people, but not just ha- handing out money to them. And I think charity can go a long way, but if you can help someone build their own career, build their own brand or build build their own life that's priceless that's 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 it's altruistic but even then if if you were self-interested that's that's a way to accrue an immense amount of social capital Mm. Mm. you can't put a value you can't you can't put a monetary value on that no you can't you have a huge amount of social capital you know hundreds of thousands of people in this country trust what you have to say about politics, that's very powerful. And someone like Isaac does. I, I do, but not to the same extent. But that's, people don't realise that's, you know, no amount of money can really, it's hard to put it at, at, at you know, a monetary value on something like that. These can't be sold easy. It can't be, there's no transaction. You can't like sell what you're well, doing. It's kind of like, it, it was just to give you this example, right? Because I'm just going to start planning this soon. But say, for instance, I know that if I said we're planting a million trees, I would be able to raise a million dollars to plant a million trees. Whereas, and it would cost me nothing. Well, it would cost me the expense of doing the video. So, whatever like my editor's expenses and things are. But I would imagine that if you got out a $50,000 campaign, if somebody just handed you 50 grand and said, use that to advertise planting a million trees, you know what you would need? You would need a really, really clever marketing technique to have the same impact as just saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, just chuck your money in here and then, and then people will do it and then that thing will get done. Yeah, because so, in a lot of those charity campaigns, they'll actually try and get celebrities to be involved. But those celebrities don't have the same sway. Look, in this in this digital media world, that we're not, I wouldn't even say we're entering. We're 
well and truly, well and truly entrenched yeah. into right now. That those former that former style of celebrity doesn't have the same political and social sway as it maybe once did. And this can be perfectly exemplified in a lot of these celebrity responses to the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Cringeworthy. Mm. Everyone hates them. Mm. Whereas when Lex Friedman did a post, it was met remarkably well, at least looking at the comments, which are, of course, his followers, but there are new figures now that are far more trusted and and respectable and just uh, authentic. They're not putting on a facade. You know, there hasn't been a plethora of uh, PR advisors and, and, and media consultants that have gotten in these people's ears to say, try doing it that, this way based on our K- KPI uh, indicators. If you say this word, if you if you use if you do this with your hand, if you if you look to the camera this way, if you smile at this point, this is what will resonate with the general populace because that that became so monumental that 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 just cumulative effect of all these other people in 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 other media figures' ears that it just people became well essentially just robots. They didn't. They didn't. They lost trust. I actually lost that initial social capital that they were ironically trying to obtain more of. But with all these advisors and right hand men in their ears, I mean, it, it, you can see it in the in the sort of political era we're in now. People are obsessed with: Are you a real person? People are, people want the anti politician politician. People want the anti media commentator. People want the. Uh, Whatever it is, whatever they see as the establishment in whatever field it may be, people want the anti-academia um, acad- academic. Mm. Mm. It's, rem- it's remarkable. It's been a, a huge turnaround in the space of, what, five to ten years? And while the social capital has been continually uh, de- degraded for these people who, who wielded power in these... Uh, former bastions of cultural and political um, significance, there's been a huge accrual of uh, social capital for people who aren't part of those institutions and have made their own way. And, and, and I think even on a, you know, in a, in a sort of more uh, micro level, that social capital can never be understated. I mean, if you've got, if you're ever at a point in your life where you, can choose between a much higher salary or a or a or a you know a decent salary, but a, a a way to garner trust and respect from people in your immediate vicinity, whether that's in your community, your family, whatever it may be, your workplace. That's actually more worthwhile in the long run, especially, and especially with now with a volatile economic time that I think we're entering into. I know a lot of people. I'm not an economist, but I mean. Damn, the debt. But, you know, I know a lot of people are going to argue about that. But look, I think we're going to enter a relatively volatile economic period globally. Mm. We just have no idea what real value is anymore. And then with it, who knows what's going to happen with crypto. We really need to be looking for is social capital. Yeah, it's what, more valuable what is than it? gold. Like, <laughs> social capital, basically, if you think about it, what is it? It's just popularity, right? I wouldn't That's say That's the currency. No, no, it's trust. Trust is the currency. Yeah. Popularity is is celebrity. That's people can be extremely popular but not have their opinions on a certain issue be taken seriously. 
Yeah, 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 okay. That's kind of true. If Joe Rogan opens his mouth about literally anything on earth, a lot of people are going to take that seriously. More so than like an expert that's been studying it for 40, 50 years, unless he's interviewing that person. Yeah. Then all of a sudden he will have that capital. But if he, if that person just opens his mouth, people will tune out unless it is interjected every five minutes with Joe Rogan saying, no fucking way, that's crazy. And then all of a sudden it's really trusted. Yeah. <laughs> One second, I'm just going to get this, but that is, that is a fucking amazing. Well, then what's the, what's the move? Okay. What's the move? Yeah. Well, like I said, I think the move is to, for people who might be financially minded, it's to alter that, alter that perception. I mean, I mean, Mark, you know, I'm I'm quite sure millions, if not billions, of dollars can be wiped off the share market based on what Elon Musk says on a podcast. Now, but see, here's that's the not an point. actual. But- that's clearly not a, like a true valuation of of the you know the the profitability and the and the sort of uh the effectiveness of his various companies that's a valuation of him as a person look that's all well and good but i don't think that it's like i think the whole thing is if you if you're looking at it from a financial perspective you're not going to get it yeah yeah, yeah. it immediately that cancels too. it out the reason that Elon Musk has social capital and that uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is desperately trying to accumulate social capital is he's obviously figured that out and he's realised, oh, okay, it's given him the power to just, like, wipe a company off the face of the earth with a tweet, right? But it came from the fact that people kind of bought into his vision. That's the reason that Tesla's so high. It's not... Well, it's not a profitable company for, by all accounts. And yeah. it won't be for a very long time if it but ever will be. But the shares went just, through the fucking yeah. roof. Produces and less cars than many other uh, car manufacturers, but they're, they're basing but that valuation based it. on the future of it. Yeah, yeah, there's a huge amount of belief in it. And then it becomes almost it's like it's it works as a placebo, right? Because then if you can accrue that much belief and faith and social capital in a given corporation or, or, or vision, then you're able to actually conceptualize that vision because there's that much investment being poured into it. So it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy in that sense. It's like you're having faith in... in, in you, you. I have faith in Tesla. That's what. That's why you'd be it's investing fucking faith. in it. It's, it's faith. It's actually, it is, dude, it's it not even faith. trust. It's faith. Yes, it's like, not it, even it's evaluation. It's actually a byproduct of, okay, trust is sort of the thing that happens first, but then after that, it kind of becomes faith. So faith really is social capital. Yeah, combination of trust and faith. Because it's, I'm telling you this, it is a, uh, you know, even if I make a joke about Joe Rogan on, say, my self-help channel or something like that, there will be <laughs> visceral comments. <laughs> yeah. yeah utter hatred. The other thing I hate that I cult. see that- He's got a cold. because I'm one of those members, bro. <laughs> I, I love the man. <laughs> they- um. It's, well, it's, it's like a, it's, it's an extremely emotional response to anything. And, in fact, like you can tell that this is the case because you see all of these suck-ups online 
that, you know, Kyle Kalinske is the classic example of that. He's just got a negative opinion. I can't fucking watch the man anymore. It's just negative opinion about everything. He's right? very bitter and cynical. It's getting to me as well. It's getting to you, right? Yeah. It's just like, can you like someone? And yeah. the only person that he does like is Joe Rogan. And the only reason he likes him is so he can go on a show again. Yeah. Yeah. It comes across that way, doesn't it? Doesn't it? So I think, yeah. but I don't think that he's alone with that. I think that there's a lot of people online that do it because Joe Rogan holds that that much capital that he's kind of he's and almost checkmated a lot of people into just liking him. Well, he has a monopoly on social capital. He's the he's the Murdoch of social capital, isn't he? Mm. Uh, well, makes and breaks careers. Yeah, I think it's something you said a, a, maybe a year ago now, where the, you, you're talking about chimp society, and there was one chimp that was able to amass a tribe of 150 that had never been really seen before, and it was because. He was very generous. He ensured every other chimp was fed first before him. He wasn't out for himself. And as a result, uh, garnered a, a huge amount of trust and uh, faith. And that is basically, and, and the man loves chimps. And what he's doing <laughs> is he's being that, that um, benevolent, uh, trustworthy chimp. Mm. But uh, instead of handing out bananas, he's handing out Social capital, because social capital is something that's not, you know, it's not uh, finite in the sense that if you are uh, associated with someone with a high amount of social capital, it's not, you can gain a lot of social capital without them necessarily losing any of that. Whereas when we talk about financial capital, if you want to invest in someone else, you're going to be losing some initial cost or it's it's an investment or whatever it may be. Whereas with you know, if you start to have someone featured on your channel once a week because you want to build them up and you do it for free, that doesn't lose you any social capital whatsoever, but it multiplies their social capital from what I can only uh, assume would have been virtually zero on a, on a national scale to a monumental level. So it's something that can be shared a, a, a far more easily than, than financial capital. Jesus. I mean, I don't think I'm saying anything really that groundbreaking here. I, I just think it's very- uh, No, but I you're actually thinking like the ramifications think about of that. It. Yeah, to think about it because we're such a sort of hype. We're hyper-focused on just the wealth aspect and the, and the money side and all these sorts of things. And, and it's also, like, like, what think are you about building? this. Like, yeah. Okay. Bernie Sanders, for instance, out front raises everyone else in campaigns. Now, it's not to the point that it can override the entire media ecosystem, but. He built up a hell of a lot of social capital. And, it, and it's pretty much just this every time. It's just like, I don't need to ask anyone for donors. I just, every time, it's just like, give me 50 bucks a month. And then <laughs> oh, yeah, once literally again, millions of people will be like, for okay. Your money. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and literally millions of people will be like, "Yeah, he's fifty. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's I mean, what faith. With your, with your, with your uh, John Marilaro case, there's hundreds of thousands of Australians having an immense amount of faith in you. Yes, and it does translate into financial capital, but you're using it to like because they're part of that mission. So. You know, it's not like someone saying, "Hey, can you all give me some money?" You know, there's been YouTubers that have bought a house and they ask their fans for money, and it's like, you know, at least what have you a doing product, that for? like at yeah. least sell some merch or something. Sell some merch, fuck, but- make that. There's a difference between commerce and that, but I think, I think 
social capital, now that I'm thinking about it, kind of accumulates through... Well, no, podcasts is a different thing because Joe Rogan isn't really... There's no vision with Joe Rogan at all. In fact, you know what? It's actually happened. He's kind of just... He's filled a niche. It really came down to that. I've I've been... Yeah, go on, but then I'll... But I think the reason that he's actually just accumulated a mega amount of capital is just because he's like essentially leached off of the capital of heaps and heaps and heaps of experts and he just gets a tiny little bit each time that it comes on. There's that. I mean, look, anyone who built up a um, built their profile online, especially pre-2018, was filling a void uh, left by the, the, the former mainstream media. So Joe Rogan was doing a podcast about UFC and comedy. I mean, no one, there wasn't a, a show on MTV or any of those cable channels that was doing a show about UFC and comedy that, that I'm aware of. I'm sure maybe there was some around there, but he must have been filling some sort of niche there. And slowly but surely he just evolved and, and gradually built up each year. And it was, it was actually very much a podcast for comedians for a long time as well. A lot of comedians loved the man, with but not many other people even knew who he was. And it just kept growing. And I think a big part of it is also this is a show, if you want to even call it a show, this is a man who's just like completely unperturbed by corporate influence. I mean, you could argue now with the Spotify deal, maybe there's some influence there. Uh, but unperturbed by sort of the, the, the creative corporate influence. And what I mean by that is that Almost every other media show is sort of weighted down by what is essentially a corporate bureaucracy. There's just way too many producers, way too many creative directors, and everyone. There's the advertisers, there's the marketing campaign, there's all these people, there's the head of the network, and they're all influencing the vision. They're all sullying the initial vision from the creator. And what happens is you get a lot of sort of this sort of bloated creative product, which is just tailor-made for uh, to, to sort of manufacture entertainment and keep people's eyeballs laser-focused on whatever is on that screen without it ever actually having a sense of authenticity. Now, of course, there are some examples of remarkable shows that have had that huge conglomeration of people working on it. But for the most part, especially when we're talking about television, it was all very sanitized and, and just too many cooks in the kitchen. And in my very you know, rudimentary experience dealing with TV here in Australia and a small-time network here. I mean, we're talking, this was a, a show with not a lot of investment and it was far larger than anything I've ever done online and it got fewer views than some of my medium videos, right? And there, there would have been a budget of millions for that, right? So it's just completely inefficient. This whole model is totally inefficient. If we're talking about just entertainment as the product, it's so cost-ineffective to have... A, a crew of, and I know everyone in film is going to absolutely hate me saying this, but it's totally cost ineffective to have a crew of hundreds of people and a budget of millions to amass uh, a, a total view count of maybe a million. When you can you can get a hundred thousand views for zero dollars. Mm. So it's just why would you do like the market ultimately did respond to that. That's that's where you do have just sort of a market uh, failure there. 
uh, not a market, sorry, not a market failure, but it's just like a, a total. This when the competition, when the technology changed, the environment changed, and the competition adapted, it just easily overcame what was a, a sort of bloated, inefficient model. Now, how this relates to someone like Joe Rogan is, I just think there weren't, there's no one in his ear saying like, hey, you know, to appeal to this demographic, you got to start talking about this stuff, or to appeal to these people, you got to start talking about this, and to maybe tone down on on this and. You get that even in small-time media here in Australia. There's always some producer or some person who's done a media degree who's never done their own podcast or never done their own show telling you, well, maybe you should try this, maybe you should do this. And I'm like, no, okay, look, you don't want, people don't want that. It sanitizes the the overall artistic product. And, mm. and, and Joe's an example of, I think, someone who just was left completely unsanitized and slowly grew because he leached off people who were disgruntled with uh, the mainstream media. And over the course of 12 years, that became 11 million people, which is funny, ironic, because it's, you know, the, the, the capital, the financial capital at some of these news networks is immense. It's in the billions, I'm assuming, and they can't even compete with him. And well, but I, this is product also isn't news, to, though. Sorry, no, I know it's on. not news. It's not news. But one other last thing I'll say is, like, I think this is purely some, some for, despite the narrative, that how many shows are out there that just purely appeal to men? Now, I'm not talking about 15 years ago. I'm talking about today because the media world, I would even argue now, is probably zero. It's skewed female. I wouldn't say it's female dominated, but like when we talk about. What's- medium level producers and and anyone who's sort of having those sort of small time creative like sh- maybe at right at the top it's still I don't even know but I'm assuming maybe it's still more men who are just sort of organizing the financial capital and choosing which shows to finance but the people making the creative decisions and the, the accumulation of those creative decisions are I would say well let's just say it's it, the, they're feminine right because even the men in media are probably more on the sort of feminine side of the gender scale let's say that much but someone like joe is just like a a show or a podcast um that just purely just appeals to men and a lot of women enjoy it but this is a guy who's just being himself having a good conversation he feels like your friend he feels like your buddy and you've built up a lot of trust with him and then what are the alternatives the alternatives are like People who are just dressed up with these like exorbitant sort of suits, these swami haircuts, and and you know with this like epic or- orchestral music that introduces them as the, the 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 authoritative voice and says, "Welcome to the news." I mean, fuck that. That just seems fake. Mm. I don't trust it. Mm. Whereas mm. a guy who openly says, "I'm a fucking idiot. I'm just trying to learn and have conversations," I trust that man much more. Yeah, of course. Because I've lost faith in the in the institution that says it. it wields the expertise on in virtually fact, any topic. Virtually any topic and also tries its best actually in that system to get rid of as to, to get rid of authenticity as much as possible. Yeah. It, it, it actively tries to eliminate it. Whereas obviously Joe Rogan actively tries to accumulate authenticity as much as possible. So even the fact that he's worth probably a billion dollars at this point and the fact that his podcast is just him and Jamie being like, yeah, 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 Snowden's a guy, right? Yeah, yeah, let's just ask him about it. You didn't read a book or some shit? You know, like that's that's how the podcast is made Yeah, to this day. Yeah, there's four people that work on it. I mean, this is the biggest podcast in the world and any other program that uh, garners maybe one-tenth of the viewership he does would have at least, would have hundreds of people working on it. And then 
all these people continually add to the sort of just the bloating of the overall product and that never happened and i think that's a major part of it and i think that it just because it purely appeals to to men and and there's you know i'm listening to a drone podcast and i would assume you know he'd make some comments on there where like if there was a female producer on there well maybe don't say that and then like over time over the course of 10 to 15 years all those little um you know if you constantly uh what's the word I've forgotten, but there's a there's a, there's a word for it. But uh, if you're just continually uh, sullying and like sort of just whittling down the product, it becomes something essentially unrecognizable and fake, and not for its initial intended audience. Hmm. And I think that's what's happened. Well, the thing is, I know this for a fact that. In the 70s and the 60s, the design of the news was to try and make your voice as authoritative as possible. So, they're looking for a completely different thing that's just, it's yeah. outdated. It did used to work. It did used to work. But now this works. The problem is though, yeah, Joe Rogan is not, you know what Joe Rogan is? He's kind of more competing with people like Jimmy Fallon. Wasn't He's more a both? talk show. Yes and no, because when he has a scientist on, yeah, but like Stephen Colbert will have science scientists on sure, and stuff like that. Sure. It's, he's more he's, he's more just interviewing personalities, yeah. well, not just personalities, experts, and all this kind of stuff. But he's it's basically an interview show. It's he's, he's not yeah. really, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not the news. But then people that don't like a lot of people don't watch the news anymore. I mean, who under the age of thirty watches the news? Yeah, exactly. It's garbage. It just feels fake. Yeah. I don't trust it. It's not yeah. that I don't trust it. I'm not entertained by it. I think it's very, it's clearly sensationalized and um, it's so alarmist. It's clearly, it's just, it's uh, emotional nicotine for people over the age of 50, isn't it? They just need that hit of drama in their lives. So they need Mark Ferguson and they're like, Welcome to Seven News. It's, we, it's, it's a very handsome man. He looks like he, he would know things. He's, he looks like a leader. He's very authoritative. And today on Seven News, three people have uh, been caught in a drug bust and whatever. And, and you know, like, no, I don't care. I don't care about these one-off incidences. I want to I look at overall trends. I want to observe. No, there's nothing remotely informative in yeah. commercial news or ABC news or anything. There's nothing. It's just this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. No context. It's gossip for very old people. Fuck, it is too. Yeah. That's gossip about like. really boring events as in yeah. celebrity stuff like TMZ or something is much more interesting. Yeah, and then they ultimately want to sell dishwashers to them. Yeah. Hmm. I just, uh, like... Yeah, it's gross. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, though. Like, I was talking to someone who used to work in the news, and they were exactly saying that, that it's just... that That is really what Peter Overton and Mark Ferguson are paid for. To look handsome and grab people's attention. Well, they're like the you Pete want- Davidson for 70-year-old women right there. Huh? I would assume they're like the Pete Davidson for seven-year-old women. Yeah, there's like some sex oh, appeal. There's some sex man. appeal to oldies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But it's also like this 
exactly what you said. They have this gravitas about them that's just it's just sort of there. Yeah, yeah. You magnetize towards them. Yeah. You do, even though they're talking about stupid things about ice cream prices or something, they're saying it in such a like serious manner. Yeah, that you, you assume that it has some importance. Yeah, this has an extreme amount of significance. There is some. There's interesting- an art to that. That is skillful. Sure, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, and also the other thing is like it is really strange listening to Channel Nine reporters or Channel Seven reporters that are the ones that just you know they'll be like. Sydney buses have had an historic spike in crashes in the southwest suburbs of Sydney. They they have that way of speaking <laughs> that is all trained into them. That it, it's just it it just hit me like the other day when I was fine. watching it. That like I don't know. I just it never hit me before, and then I was just like, "Why are you talking like that?" Yeah, why? Because when you grew up with that, it it just felt normal. Yeah. That was just how the news reporters yeah. talk now. As someone who doesn't really watch it, whenever I do switch on and it, and it happens to be playing, I'm like, what? What is this? This is bizarre. This is alien. Why are you? Yeah, why are you talking like that? I don't know. I don't know why they Sydney started speaking like that. Buses have. <laughs> why do they do that? Reached an all-time high in crashes. Back to you. Like just just say Sydney buses have reached an all-time high in crashes. Why do you have to have that, that fucking twang? Actually, I know why. As soon as you said it, now it makes sense. It's just another thing of the authority thing. Like, as soon as you just say, yeah, Sydney, there's more Sydney buses crashes, you're like, oh, okay, I don't give a shit. Uh-huh. But if you hypnotize people by using the exact same tonality where it sounds like everything is being emphasized, then all of a sudden everything becomes very important. Yeah, sure. okay, that's why. Well, what must have happened is they would have had it. Accumulated enough wisdom over decades of test audiences and 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 ratings ups and downs and and just come to the conclusion that that was the best uh, tone of voice mm. for the uh, highest possible amount of ratings. Mm. Mm. Well, Meanwhile, it does two things at the same time. It kind of just piques your interest and also puts you in a lull because it's sort of sing songy. Yeah, and then they're all attractive as well, which doesn't fuck hurt. yeah. Yes, yeah. they are, especially the Channel 9 girls. Jesus. Yeah. No such thing there. as not a 10 there. Tracy Grimshaw. <laughs> but, you know, obviously other than the title. No yeah, she'd have to be. She'd have to be 70. Or, or the, like, to be no. generous, early, like, late 60s. Yeah. Is she Channel 7? I don't know. No, Channel 9. Oh, okay. But, um, hmm. It just comes across as pretentious now more than an authoritative. It's just, it's, it's okay, we, people don't, and that's why they're always talking about, oh, misinformation on the internet. Well, first of all, what does, mi- that's a word that only came into the consciousness after COVID. I'd never heard that word before. Like, are you talking about a lie or what? And then what the hell is disinformation? Misinformation and disinformation. Like, is it a lie or is it the truth? What the fuck is misinformation? What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. But they're constantly just saying that. And then when you ask people, when people, you know, I'm not like a, some kind of rabid Joe Rogan defender, but a lot of people say, all right, he peddled um, COVID misinformation. All right, cool, man. Like, do you want to just like point out where in the podcast he said that? No, fuck you, man. Like, you just don't understand. Like, fuck you. You're a fucking bro. Hey, I'm like, what? Just. Tell me where this doctor said the misinformation right. without, like, personally insulting me. Right. But, like, it's clear that, like, I've never... I just don't... There, there seems to be... Yeah, I'm sure there's, like, these rabid defenders of the man 
because there are a lot of fans of him, as there would be for any media figure. I'm sure for you, for me, there'd be people who are like that. But I'm trying to just objectively ask, okay, look, when he had that guy from CNN on, uh, sorry, yeah, the health expert from CNN, Sanjay Gupta, and he asked very reasonable questions and the man couldn't answer him. Mm. Mm. Now, and then Sanjay went on CNN being like, oh, I felt like he was going to beat me up. Like, you fucking pussy. Like, you could, pussy. what? He wasn't going to beat you up, cunt. Like, what you should have just answered the questions. Jesus Christ. Like, you're the expert. If you're such an expert, answer the questions. Like, a big thing with this whole, like, Russell Brand's doing some very interesting um, commentary on the on the, on on COVID, which now, because of the Russia-Ukraine thing, seems to have just taken the back burner. And, again, I'm not... I don't know now what is misinformation or not, but I don't, you know, show me where in the video Russell has said something objectively wrong, right? But like everyone's like, oh, misinformation, this and that. But he makes some, he says, like, okay, look, the CDC apparently have this report about the fatalities related to COVID and, and the vaccine, and they're not willing to release it because people could misinterpret the information and think that the vaccines are ineffective. Well, what the fuck does that mean? That means that they probably were ineffective and they're too scared to release them because it's going to further ruin their credibility. But, you know, is that misinformation? I mean, he's having an opinion on that. Like, is that misinformation? Like, what's the misinformation there? Or what's the disinformation? Somebody tell me what the what's the difference between those two words, first of all? And, and, and uh, is misinformation a synonym for a lie? Like, what... Are we talk about prevarication. Like, Are we talking about just sort of amplifying something to fit a narrative? Because everyone does that. Yeah, everyone. Well, that's the whole point. Is just journalists have tricked themselves because of their training to think that they're these completely objective orbs, uh, and they're taught that this is this is a very specific way that you interpret information and that you present it, and they have ob- they have honestly tricked themselves into thinking that they're like the voice of accuracy, the voice of objectiveness. And so then this new wave of people come out that just have opinions and it just really short circuits them. The fact that somebody can just come out and just be like, here's my opinion for an hour straight. Nothing angers them more than that. Uh, And it's again, it's just because of their conditioning. And so- I think that it's not just a thing of uh, they're, they're losing ground to them. I honestly think knowing these people more, they are just more emotionally affected that they're not the only ones that have a monopoly on disinformation anymore. And let's just say this, information. They're just annoyed yeah. that they don't have a monopoly on information anymore. Right. And so, they, they, they I think that actually these things are just like very visceral and emotional and come not even from losing ground. It's more just like I have this little piece of paper that says I'm allowed to give out information and no one else is allowed to do it, which is really strange. Like it's just and, – and then on top of that, they will just – exactly like everybody else on fucking planet Earth, they won't admit when they're wrong either. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No you know? one, and so, I'm like, not- then they'll just be like, yeah, like Joe Rogan was inaccurate. And it's just like, yeah, but like everyone on fucking planet Earth is inaccurate. I don't know why. I don't know yeah. why people get so angry when someone's like incorrect on something. First of all, most of the time when someone's like angry about them being incorrect, they're fucking incorrect themselves. But then on top of that, it's just like, why? Well, why are you getting pissed off? There seems to be two very clear cut groups of people in response to this new media ecosystem. There are the people that want to be told the want to have a source that is the or authority 
on information and has the uh, is, has pu- is purported to have the correct opinions, the most accurate opinions, the most well-researched opinions, and they want to simply just yield to that and accept it. They don't want this ecosystem where uh, a multitude of people can have a different opinion on a given set of facts and then every human being can analyze those opinions and come to their own conclusions. That's, for some reason confronting for them and I've, I've never understood that because okay someone on a podcast says things that are potentially hateful or even I, I i doubt people say things that are just objectively wrong i mean to be fair no some people do but what often is the case is that everyone has their own narrative and they amplify certain studies and and certain opinions to solidify their narrative and and paint their narrative in the most accurate light. And so no one's directly lying, but they're deliberately leaving out certain pieces of the pie. Maybe they're engaging in prevarication. That might be the best word to describe it. But very few people are even in this new ecosystem, even the problematic people, they're not they're not just blatantly lying. I really doubt, I mean maybe, but like I doubt that. I don't I don't think that's happening but because it doesn't fit someone else's narrative they they perceive it to be dangerous when that second school of thought which I'm firmly a member of is that okay let every opinion let every narrative be aired out let everyone be exposed to different opinions and different ideas and let people come to their own conclusions and if you're so afraid of other people's opinions well then your opinion needs to be improved upon. Your way of conversing and your ability to persuade needs improvement. True. And you know what else as well? I will say this because it's the it's, it's sort of... Because uh, I used to always think like, you know, I see the merit in the other people just saying like you should be stamping out wrong opinions. Not that I think you should be stamping out wrong opinions, but I see the merit in it when you're trying to get society to move in one direction. I guess actually if anything it would be COVID because that's the thing where you really want everyone to move one way. But when it comes to something like climate change, for instance, the, the polls are out like – the, the people that don't believe in climate change is pretty much exactly the same as the people that don't believe in fucking the, the, the earth revolving around the sun. You know, like it's, it's, it's gotten to that level. It's, it's really close. There's always just this 10% of the population that doesn't believe any scientific theory for whatever reason, right? The, the reason that that was actually kept for so long is because there was – sort of gatekeepers in the press. But actually, when you let that message kind of just proliferate around the internet, very quickly the polling actually just went, no, actually, no, it is it is definitely fucking <laughs> happening, you know. Right. Like what buoyed it was being able to gatekeep who got to communicate and who didn't. So, think about that. All right, come see me live, uh, neildan.com. We're getting really good at improv. Going to be the next, that's our vision. Biggest improvisers to come out of Australia. 
So, neildan.com. Well, it's probably already mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean, it's not that <laughs> <laughs> Who else is there? <laughs> oh, Andrew O'Keefe. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Andrew O'Keefe. He's, okay, he's lost all day. his social capital. Let's yeah, say he that. doesn't have much left. <laughs> all right. Uh, yes, neildan.com. Sydney, Melbourne, monthly. Western Sydney monthly coming soon as well. Fuck uh, yeah. Coming soon. So, Newcastle. Uh, and if you know any venues in Canberra, if you if you maybe run events in Canberra or if you sort of maybe know of a bar or anything, if, if you could just help me out in any way, send me an email. We're looking to start up a regular room there as well and go see Jordan live and we'll see you next time, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, gang.